Hello everyone and welcome to the Empathy Podcast. My name's Leanne Butterworth and today we are talking about empathy and change management with Samantha Barr. Now I have to admit I don't know much about change management. Well I didn't before this interview and before this interview my gut reaction to change management is a lot same as a lot of people is oh and we're going to explore today why that's my reaction and what it is that I can do to really think better about change and the role of change practitioners. So today's discussion is so lovely, all about empathy and change management with Samantha Barr. So welcome, Samantha. Thank you. I'm very excited to talk to you as well, Leanne, and uh, change is one of my absolute passions. I love talking about it. Um, So I'm excited to talk to you as well. So and I love the, the lens of empathy, so I'm really interested to have our conversation today. So I found you on LinkedIn, where you post things about change management with a human-centered approach, which I'd never really seen before. My experience of change management is I worked in the government back in the day, and change management brought out this sound in a lot of our team, was like, ugh. And... Even now, I don't, I don't know why it brings out that sound in me. Um, can you explain to me why I'm making that sound? And is that a sound that you hear often when it comes to change management? Yeah, look, we do, and it's an unfortunate response. I think that sound of ugh coupled with change is hard is, or nobody likes change, are things that uh, anyone who's worked in change for a number of years has certainly come across. Um, what that tells me is that you haven't worked with a great change manager or a great change leader who is inspirational and is innovative and is thinking from a really human-centred perspective, um, which is a shame. But the good thing is, is that there's lots of amazing change practitioners out there who, once you get exposure to them, you will certainly have a different response. Um, but I think there's a few things to break down there because it's like, what's your initial response to change? Is that the uh, is it, you know, uh, change management or is it the uh, change manager? Um, and so it's kind of working through those different lenses as well to understand well, where is that response coming from and why? Because everything we do in change is really coming back to the why. And if we understand yeah. the why, then we can understand the what, the how, the who, the when and all of those kind of things. Is it also how the change is communicated? to the group by whoever it is that's brought in a change manager? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a few things happen. Um, One is quite often change people are engaged quite late. And so they kind of then get, well, here's the change, here's what's happening, here's how we've been communicating it. And then quite often they have to pick that up and either roll with it or pick that up and be able to tweak it a little bit, but sometimes without enough time, um, without enough insight or without the opportunity to actually engage with those who are impacted by the change which means that the message is often missed or it's not aligned with how people are thinking, feeling or what you want them to do and say about the change. The other factor is is that a lot of people think change is about the tools and so they go, yay, I've done my change plan or I've done my change canvas or they think about my stakeholder map and all those things. Some of those things need to be done, some of them don't, but that's not what change is all about. Change is about your human connection and change is about how you get people to understand what the change is and why you're doing it and what it means to them 
and what will happen to them when the change does take place. And I think some change practitioners or some people who think about change are still focused on the, the tools um, and not so focused on that human aspect or not so focused on the outcome. And I don't think it's intentional. I just think that's what a lot of people think that change is. It is very tool-centric, whereas we know it should be very human-centric. So, quick question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who brings you in? What is change? Like who is it and what are the what is the change that we're talking about? Who is it that says I need a change manager? What is it? What's their driver? What are they looking for? So there's um, one thing you'll find in change is probably every question you ask Leanne, I will respond with it depends. Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, it's quite often not just a yes or no, you know, black and white answer. But quite a quite common um, engagement for change practitioners is around projects. So whether that's introducing new technology, new processes, new ways of working, new behaviours, new knowledge, quite often a combination of all of those things. Um, or if people want to change their culture within an organisation or there's a risk or compliance change that needs to happen. Um, so quite often we're engaged by the C-suite, by different execs, program leaders, product owners, people like that, that are kind of owning the change within the business or the organisation. And quite often they need us, um, there's two schools, one because they've worked with awesome change people and they're like, yep, we need them back and we know how amazing it can be if you get uh, a great person in and you can help, they can help the business transition through the change to maximise acceptance and adoption. Um, Or you'll get someone in who just is I need some help and I don't know what that is. Um, And they kind of think that's someone to help them through the change. The trick then is then as a change practitioner is going in and understanding what actually is your remit and working through that from a human perspective to get the outcome and it is not what the tools are, um, which is usually, you know, you're engaged to kind of do this, this and this, whereas really you need to be engaged to do this and talk to people and find out really what the change is and why. And when we're engaged, quite often the why is missing or it's quite surface level. So we need to drill down and talk to people and really get to the heart of what the change is and what will it mean for people when the change happens. So when you say human-centred design, what is it that you're referring to? When I think about human-centred design, I think that's about putting people first. So within change, um, people talk about you know people-centric change but quite often they don't mean people-centric change. And what, what I mean is we actually then need to understand what the change means for people. And this is, I guess, where that empathy piece that you and I have talked about quite often comes in is we need to understand what people think about the change, how do they feel about it, what do they need to do about it, what are they saying about it, what do they need Um, So as a change practitioner, we need to get in and understand those kind of things. Um, And the human-centred bit is then thinking about at that individual perspective, the team, your department, organisational, and thinking about it from today's perspective and also tomorrow and kind of beyond. Um, So human-centred is just really thinking about that person who is impacted by the change. I always say to my clients and, you know, think to myself, Day one, you know, what does day one look like and feel like? Usually go live is a Monday, so always think about 
Sunday morning, people wake up and they're going, I've got to go to work tomorrow. Uh, by Sunday night, if they've thought about every excuse about why they don't need to turn up because <laughs> that change is happening tomorrow, or do they think, oh, I've got this happening at work tomorrow, but I'm feeling okay because I'm feeling prepared. So it's about understanding what people think, feel, need, do and say about the change and how we get them ready to accept the change and then adopt, adapt to the change. What's your favourite thing about being a change manager? Like what's one of your favourite projects that you've worked on? Oh, um, I've worked on just some amazing, amazing change programs, but I would say my favourite is still my very first you know, formal change program where I was working for a national dairy company um, and that change at the same time was a takeover, it was a move, uh, it was a new ERP system, new ways of working. It was kind of every component of change you could possibly imagine. And I was brand new with the official title of change manager. Um, and why I loved it was just there were so many reasons. But one, I worked for an amazing uh, leader and executive who had engaged someone who could mentor me through how to how to lead change and how to plan change and approach it and scope it, things like that. Um, so I was really, really lucky. And it was just one of those projects where you could, you know, you could really see the impacts of the change. And, you know, I still remember going to uh, an island where, where major, you know, where they were the major employer. And one of the things we were implementing was a new labelling system. And they thought we were there to tell them they didn't have a job. And it's like, no. You know, we need you more than ever. Like this is so crucial that you guys are on board. Um, and I got, you know, with you know, this is my first, you know, big change program. I got to the front of the room ready to do the training, and all these people were in tears. And I'm like, why are you crying? Like it's, you know, we're putting labels on boxes. It's just different technology in different locations. And they're like, oh, aren't you telling us that we're losing our job? And I was like, no. Um, so that. You know, even though that was an awful scenario for them to go through and kind of ditch the training straight away, as I'm sure you can imagine we would, and kind of just went, no, you know, you're not losing your job. This is so important. Um, but it was really grateful because from that moment on, it really taught me the power of connecting with people and making sure there was huge clarity around what the change is and what the change isn't and the, you know, just making sure that, that's communicated in such a way that people really get it and it's communicated from their leaders who they trust as opposed to communicated to via a project team who they don't know. Um, so it's my favourite project because I feel like I learnt so much and I think uh, I just kind of fell in love with change after working through that project. So you said that one of your favourite parts of that role was the leadership team, so having a really supportive leadership team. What is the role of empathetic leadership in change management? Oh, it's absolutely huge, Leanne. I think, um, you know, leaders, when, you know, if you've ever experienced a great leader as opposed to a bad leader, you can just, you know, you can literally feel it, can't you? You know, you can feel it every day. And when you add change on top of that, particularly if there's change with ambiguity or uncertainty or fear or people have that response that you have of, Ugh, you know, <laughs> like, what's this going to mean? Um, you know, it is absolutely crucial that there are leaders who are empathetic and who have gained trust and are prepared to be vulnerable and have a good connection with their people um, because we need leaders to be transparent around change. You know, we need to communicate 
what we know and we need to communicate what we don't know and we need to communicate things that are still being decided or things that we're still working through. And in change, it's often, you know, spoken about, but it is, you know, one of the real foundations for good change is leader-led, business-owned. As change practitioners, my belief is we shouldn't be the face of the change. We enable, we facilitate, um, we do all those things that really should be a lot of the time back of house. And leaders really need to be the face of change and other people who are experiencing change need to be the face of change. And so part of our role as a change practitioner is coaching leaders. How, you know, because sometimes that can be uncomfortable, you know, sometimes there are ones that are absolutely out there and happy to be the face of the change. But our role is getting those leaders prepared. And sometimes that is working with them around how to be an empathetic leader and getting them to understand the importance of that, particularly around change, where people are looking to your leader, whether you recognise it or not, to give you that guidance, that sense of security or trust or stability, particularly at the moment when there's so much going on, that if you don't have a leader that is connected to their people, it can really be a huge challenge for the change to be accepted in any way or people to be engaged in the change. And the most successful change is where people are engaged in it, even if it's, you know, people who have that reaction like you do. You know, to me, they're my favourite kind of people because they're telling me they're resisting, but they're doing it overtly. So they're the ones that I'm like, great, come and tell me why you have that reaction. Like, tell me what you're feeling, Uh, you know, because we want to know and we can help work through that then. And that's not just us doing it. Leaders need to do that as well, and leaders need to be prepared to kind of face into that reaction and go, okay, this might not be popular or it might not be evident why we're doing this, but if leaders have that good connection with their people and they're empathetic, they can have those conversations that are perceived as hard because they've got that connection. So what you're saying is leaders don't just bring in a change manager to do the job for them they bring them in to do the job alongside them and empower them in order to empower their people. Yeah, absolutely. And you always kind of talk about the golden triangle. Uh, If you talk about from a waterfall perspective, you know, I kind of perceived it as the change sponsor. So, you know, the leader. And then on the triangle, you've got the project manager and the change manager. And kind of no matter which way you spin it, you're all connected because you've got the same outcome in mind. In an agile world, it might be instead of the project sponsor, it might be the product owner, but we absolutely need to be connected. And our role is to empower the leaders in the same way our role is to empower people experiencing change. But our role is also to co-design the change and what that looks for. That's for, sorry, what that looks like and help leaders get their people prepared for the change. Does it ever happen where the leader's not on board? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately, it happens you know, quite a lot. Or um, leaders will say, no, no, you you go and be the face of the change. You're good at talking to people or, you know, that's why I engaged you. And it's like, yeah, uh, let's just then talk through what you want the outcome to be. And so, you know, again, if there is that resistance, um, from my perspective, it's about breaking down, well, well, what type of resistance are you seeing? Is it overt? Is it covert? You know, is it gre- aggressive, passive, whatever it might be, and understand the why. Because it might be that they don't feel equipped to lead the change. It might be that they don't understand the value of their role leading the change. Um, you know, it might be that 
they're not on board with the change. And so it's like, okay, well, if they're not on board, how do they convince their people to be on board? Or are their people going to have the same response? So then it's just working through, well, why aren't they? And then what does that look like and what does that mean from the change perspective? Um, yeah, so it, it is quite common. How do you come into a company, potentially as a stranger, and build trust with people who you really need to get on board for this to be successful? Yeah, there's a lot of different techniques and probably a lot of it is, you know, your different personality types and how you like to approach things. Uh, there's also lots of tools that you can use. Um, but one, you know, one of the first things I try to understand is well, what is my role? What's my remit? And then have a conversation with the leader around what's their role and what's their remit. And then have a really transparent conversation around expectations. So, you know, these are my expectations of you. Uh, you tell me your expectations of me so that that way then we can be really aligned. Then I like to really spend a lot of time just talking to people and really understanding, well, what is this change? Why are we doing it? Um, and doing things like, you know, whether it's an empathy map or personas or a culture map, really then try to understand, well, what's the change and what does it mean for them? You know, what are they thinking about the change? How are they feeling? You know, what are they saying or what are they not saying is quite often the case. Um, and so I think that's part of the challenge with change as well. And sometimes people say, oh, all they do is go and have coffee. It's like, yeah, we drink a lot of coffee, but we're actually talking to people. And even though we might not be sitting there, you know, writing it all down at the time or putting it on a screen, we're having a conversation with them around how they're thinking about the change, what are they feeling. And in the same way, you know, I mentioned earlier that leaders need to be vulnerable, they need to build that trusted connection uh, to, and be empathetic. Change practitioners need to as well. And our tricky thing is that we kind of come into an organisation quite often cold. So we need to do things like be prepared to be vulnerable and be prepared to ask lots of questions and to listen and not go into solution mode, which is sometimes tricky when, you know, you'll be engaged and it's like six weeks before go live and people want to see output and you want to go around and talk to people. <laughs> so, you know, it is it is sometimes then working through well, what's your style going to be and how's the best way for you to get people to trust you? Because if people don't trust you even to a small extent, they're not going to be vulnerable with you and they're not going to tell you how they're really feeling about the change. And the reason it's so important to understand and do that analysis around you know, kind of how they're thinking, feeling, what they're saying about the change and what they need is that information then determines what the change approach is. The solution or the change doesn't determine what the change approach should be. It's what people need. And so, you know, you can go into an organisation and you get engaged, oh, we're implementing Salesforce. In your mind, you might be going, yep, we need to do some comms, we need to do some analysis, we need to do some training and some learning activities. But that's not your approach. They have some change interventions. So really your approach isn't defined until you've spoken to people and you've gained trust and you've engaged with people to really understand what they need and that's when you can build the approach. And so I feel like a long-winded answer to your question there, Leanne, <laughs> but I, uh, you know, I usually spend a fair bit of time up front 
just talking to people, you know, what do you like about working here? What don't you like? When change has been implemented before, what's happened? You know, what did you like about it? What did you learn? Um, what didn't go so well? And there are always when people go, Bleh. Oh, you know, this project, this project, this project, and that's when they can share with you. And you're like, oh, okay. Um, and you can have the conversation about, well, why do you think that happened? Or what was your role in that? Or would you like to be involved? So then it actually builds that conversation. And that conversation might not happen all at once, but it might be like every day in the kitchen you build on it or every day at the start of a Zoom call you kind of ask a question. So building that trust is really, for me, the cornerstone of your change as a change practitioner. You need to build that before you can do anything else. So everything that you're saying sounds so lovely and so human-centred and so effective and almost common sense. And it is. Are we having a conversation that is just bog standard in change management? Nobody's going to listen because they're like, hey, change management is empathetic anyway. Are there pockets of resistance to this within the change management community itself? Um, I don't think there's necessarily pockets of resistance to empathy. I think people in change probably just naturally are quite empathetic. Um, perhaps what there is a gap in sometimes is capability. So a lot of people in change um, you know, have moved into change because they're great at comms or they've got an interest in people or they've come up because they've been seconded via a project or they've gone and done a certification, um, you know, that goes for a few days or a week and then they walk away going, I'm a change manager. Um, and, you know, that's all great. We all, all those different experiences help. But I think sometimes there might just be you know, people just don't have the awareness around all of the different things they could have in their kit bag as a change manager. Um, and I've been doing change for over 20 years and I still, you know, have lots of things that I learn every week. I'm like, oh, I didn't know about that. Oh, that's new. I'm going to try that out. Um, so I think it's probably, you know, sometimes there's a capability gap. Sometimes there's a time gap because it is so frequent that we get engaged quite late in the piece um, that, you know, people just simply don't have the time. And so they do, you know, kind of go, oh, I've got to do my impact assessment or I've got to work out what the training is going to be. I've got to, you know, pull together some comms. And so sometimes there is that approach. And I think the thing with change is that even though we'd love it if it was, you know, sometimes here's your checklist, uh, that never flies because no matter what you think going in, you get there within the first day or, you know, a few days you've had this epiphany around what I was told and what I was briefed on by the client is totally different to what <laughs> I'm experiencing. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I think there's a few different reasons why that could happen. But on the flip side is that there's so many people in change that absolutely get human-centred design and just naturally think that way, which is why they're probably gravitated towards change. And at the heart of it, I think our change community really does want the best outcome for people. Um, and, you know, but we do get hit with lots of hurdles along the way. You know, we're, we're usually... Under, you know, under-resourced, under-budget, limited time, um, brief is different, the why of the change quite, hasn't been, quite often hasn't been defined. You know, there's usually a number of blockers that we kind of have to head into, um, which can always impact and influence how the, change, what, how the change lands and what the outcome is. And I guess now, you know, as someone who's quite seasoned, 
and also has delivered some crap change in the past, you know, without realising that, uh, I feel probably I'm now, you know, a lot more confident to go, well, hang on, we can't achieve that in six weeks or hang on, this is what my approach is going to be um, or this is how we're going to do it or this is how I'd like to do it and I need you to help me or I need to be, you know, you and I synced up, that kind of thing. And I think sometimes that, you know, if you're new to change, you perhaps don't have that same level of confidence or knowledge. Um, as I said at the start, I certainly didn't. I probably delivered some clangers, but I also delivered some amazing change and, you know, can really walk away going, that was really good and I was really lucky to have worked with great leaders or great peers or great people in my team. What are the risks of getting this wrong? What does bad change management look like? Well, bad change can look like lots of different things. It could be as simple as people not using the new system or people using the new system and going back to the old system or you go live and the system doesn't work or you go live and people don't know how to use the system um, or people think it's one thing and it's totally different. Um, so, you know, there's lots of there's lots of bad change and I think uh, at times we've probably all experienced that and, you know, it can be really, um, you know, bad change can also impact us individually it can impact us personally it can impact us professionally you know a lot of the change that people are resistant to is because they've built up their knowledge base or they've built up their their personal and professional persona based on they're the expert in that system like you know Leanne's the expert at this system go and ask her and then all of a sudden we're replacing the system that Leanne's the expert in and what does that mean for you and so you know if that's not managed and we don't help you through what that means for you, you know, that could be a change outcome for you. Um, but it might be a great change outcome for the whole organisation. So as a change practitioner, it's really tricky because we need to look at those individual success factors. We need to look at kind of the team, group, department, organisation, enterprise, uh, usually as a one-man band or a small group of people. Um, Yet good change can mean so many things. It could be someone just going, oh, I get it. You know, I get why we're doing it. So it could be someone going, yeah, I'll come to training and actually turn up. It could be someone wanting to share with you how they're feeling about the change. It could be people using the new system. Um, you know, it could be the number of calls decreasing to the help desk over two weeks after go live. So there's so many ways that bad change can play out and there's so many ways that good change can play out um, and that's why when people say well how are we going to measure the success of the change that's always a conversation where I have that reaction that you have about change in general where I go Ugh, because <laughs> it's like quite often it's tangible and quite often it's intangible um, and you know that can be tricky for people to get used to as well or feel comfortable with um, but good change like you can I I think you can actually feel good change, you know, because there's not that tense feeling throughout the organisation or, you know, there's a bit of nervousness or there's a bit of excitement or people feeling okay. Um, and I think you can, you know, like on Go Live or leading up to it or once you go live or beyond, you can actually feel good change because it's like, yeah, I'm feeling okay about it. You know, I might have some questions, I might have some knowledge gaps, might not know how to do something perfectly, but I'm feeling okay about it. I know I can get help and I know where to get help. Um, and 
you know, I don't know if you've ever experienced that good change, that feeling. Well, hopefully one day you will soon, Leanne. <laughs> we need to do some work together to make sure that happens. But yeah, it, it is. You can just literally, I think you can really feel good change. Absolutely. I mean, like I said, mine was a government department like 15, 20 years ago. I mean, I haven't had that much to do with change managers over the years, which is why I'm so interested in this topic. Um, a lot of my frame of reference is from a government department 20 years ago. And I'm so interested in what you're saying because by the sound, by the sound of it, things are evolving to or are evolving to where they need to get to in order for people to really embrace change. What's it like as a change manager in terms of do actually doing the job and your mental health? Oh, look, it's a great question because you certainly live the highs and lows of it and you feel every, you know, every part of it. Um, sometimes it's one of the, what's that saying? It's a death by a thousand cuts. You know, sometimes it feels like that uh, where you know in your heart, you know, that people aren't ready and you've got the evidence and you've got your experience and your knowledge and you said it and like it's a no-go and the CEO goes, yeah, we're still going to go live. Uh, you know, that is heartbreaking and you can just see how that's going to play out for people. Um, but the flip side is when you when you work with some really great people and you can get people to get them through the change and they feel okay about the change, like it's just amazing because you're living it with them. You know, it's like you can, when they have that aha moment, you're like, yes, I nailed it, <laughs> you know, or we nailed it even even more. Um, and it is it is quite exhilarating and it's also just it, it's like I just love it because you know sometimes people are just having a crap time at work going through a change and you're there to support them and help them and guide them and you know empower them to do some things differently at work um, and that's the thing that I love about it you know you see them go through their highs and lows and on the you know, from the majority of people, they work through the change and they accept it and kind of adopt and adapt and, and move forward. And it actually is really nice to see that. Um, and, I, you know, I love it. You know, you do have those times of, oh, this is agonising, this is so hard, why do I do this? Why do I need to prove myself constantly? Why do people always question my profession? Uh, you know, <laughs> you do have those moments. But I think for me, those moments are so insignificant to those other moments of seeing people, you know, take on board the change or seeing them grow their capability or their skill, their knowledge, change their behaviours and see what it can do for a business as well. Like it can be amazing, like it enable businesses to grow or scale or create new opportunities for people. Um, so it is highs and lows. At the start of my career, I think I was probably not very good at managing managing kind of all the flack that you quite often get you know where people are really upset about the change or people don't get it and so they quite often direct it at you um and so that you know that was really hard and I thought how you could resolve that or you know it was working longer and more hours and trying to do more and you know that's that's not the answer um and so now, you know, to me, and that's where the, the empathy piece really came comes into it, it's them really thinking about, well, how to empathise with people as opposed to sympathise and how not to take on all of the emotion that they're feeling or they're demonstrating. 
yet just be empathetic and think about, well, okay, if I'm in their shoes, what does it feel like right now? You know, what are they feeling? I'm hearing what they're saying, you know, and just putting yourself in that position and then going, okay, now I'm getting why they're responding that way. That doesn't mean I need to take on that response personally. Um, so I think a lot of, you know, it it is tough for a lot of people to work in change, but I think you'll find most change practitioners will talk about the same, you know, the highs far outweigh everything else. Uh, you touched on something interesting, the the um, the self-care piece. You really focus on that when it comes to empathy. Do you primarily come in as an as an individual consultant or as a team of change managers? It really depends on the client, the work that we're doing. Uh, throughout my career, I've been you know, lucky enough to lead quite large teams for most of the programs or you know, changes that I've led. Uh, with some of our clients, we'll have one or two people working on a change or we'll have a group of people. Um, and it really depends on the scale, on the pace, how much time they've got, things like that. Um, from a self-care perspective, it's always good if there's more than one of you or, you know, if you've got uh, a great BA that you can lean on or an agile coach who's amazing or a scrum master who gets it. So it is then about thinking about, well, who's in your gang? And, you know, really everyone should be in your gang, but how do you support one another? And when you have one of those crap moments or an interaction that isn't exactly as you'd hope, um, you know, it's then going, oh, okay, well, well, why didn't that work? And taking a moment of reflecting and thinking about why didn't that work? So almost doing like a mini retro on yourself, you know, why didn't that work? What, you know, what am I learning from it? What would I do differently? Um, and I think in my career, you know, for many, many years, I took that all personally and, you know, I'd get really anxious about it and all those kind of things. Whereas now, like I worry about it, but I take it more from that lens of, well, that didn't work. Why? You know, understand why it didn't work and then think about, well, what would I do differently? What have I learned from it? And how to move on. So even thinking about, uh, as you say, that self-care and being empathetic to yourself, uh, I think has certainly changed the way I interact with people around change as well and what my response is, particularly if I'm working on a piece by myself um, or working with a client that's under a huge amount of pressure and then you feel all of that pressure on top of what you're trying to deliver. For someone who's in change management or thinking about getting into change management, this feels like such a lovely discussion of where to put your focus. And it feels like it has to be human-centered, so long as you're the human at the center of that human-centered as well. Because like we say, empathy's not give, give, give. And if it is, you will burn out. So that self-care piece that you so beautifully described means that you can have better relationships with the people that you're working with and get better outcomes. So then what's your advice for someone who's going to, let's say, engage a change manager? I'd be really clear around why you think you need them and what you want them to do, what role you want them to play and what role you're going to play. So, you know, what is what does... And what does the outcome look like? So you know how earlier we talked about well, what does good and bad change look like or what the outcome is? You know, one of the things I always ask a client is, well, what does day one look like? What does it feel like for you? What does it feel like for those people who are impacted by the change? Because that has to be important for me then to work through 
what this piece of work is. Um, and if they haven't done that thinking up front, that's okay. When we're having that conversation around, you know, you want to change practitioner to come in, that's then to prompt that conversation to go, okay, well, what does day one look like? What does it feel like? You know, how quickly do you think people are going to adapt? Is that two weeks? Is that four weeks? Is that two months? Because that also tells you how long you might need to be there or how long the transition period is. Um, so, yeah, I would always have, you know, ask them kind of the what, why, you know, when, how, all of those kind of things. Because the other thing from a change practitioner perspective is sometimes your style's not right for the organisation or it's not right for the leader. Um, and, you know, that's really important from a change perspective as well is that we need to almost be the coach sometimes to a lot of change leaders and we need to be their confidant and they need to be ours and we need to be able to have really transparent conversations and share the good the bad the ugly and all of the questions that we have and you know feel that that's okay that we can do that and so you know when someone was going to engage change practitioner that's the kind of thing I'd ask them like are you prepared to have these conversations what does that look like for you you know if I come to you with uh this has happened, uh, are you going to give me a solution or are you going to listen? You know, like what role do you play? Because this is the role that I need you to play here and this is the role I might need you to play here. And so it is then being really clear around why they're engaging someone, how they think that person's going to work, how they're going to work with them. Because also that tells us are they engaged in the change as well or are they demonstrating some of that resistance that you mentioned earlier? Um, so, yeah, I, I tend to kind of ask them lots of questions and <laughs> kind of gives them an indication around, you know, our style is going to work and what they should be getting from their change practitioner. You have opened my mind and opened my heart because, yeah, like I said previously, and I am I am one of those people who goes, oh, change, a little bit scary. <laughs> but to me it's the value of trust. To me, it's the value of trusting in the process and trusting in leadership and trusting in, I guess, the the why of what it is that's going. And I know that that's my personality type, but once I feel safe in the why and I feel safe in the process and I feel safe as part of a team, then change is not scary anymore. Yeah. Um, So the way that you've described it today, it sounds like such an empowering, positive experience that it means that people have genuinely done an analysis of where the business is at, what's going on, what change really needs to happen, why it needs to happen, and what's the best human-centered way that we can take that forward to have the best possible outcomes, not only for, let's say, the clients, but also for the staff yeah. um, and the business and the bottom line. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm you know, excited that you've, <laughs> you've taken that away from the conversation. Uh, because we absolutely, if we don't know the why, if we don't know why the change is occurring, you can't talk about the what or the how or the who. And the why quite often gets missed. Um, and the why, as, as you so rightly said, that touches your heart and your mind. And for anyone to accept change and adapt to it, we really need to touch their hearts and their minds in some way. Um, and so it is absolutely crucial that we get down to those kind of detail 
to get that analysis done, at the same time, be really outward focused around talking to people and being transparent and telling them who you are and why you're there. Like, you know, I, I guess I am a bit of a chatterbox and I'm a bit of a sticky bag. So if I'm making coffee in the, you know, in the kitchen in the morning, I'm like, hi, <laughs> you know, I, I want to chat to everyone. I want to know who they are. Um, but I think that is so important because then you actually start building connections with people. And then when you come and talk to them about the change, you've already got some kind of connection, even if it is, oh, we're both early birds or, you know, I've seen you here at 10 o'clock at night. What are you still doing here? Um, yeah, those kind of things that, that absolutely having that connection with people then helps you from a change perspective have those conversations around what it is and why we're doing it and what it means for them. Sam, if people do want to find you, where can they find you? Uh, can you find me on LinkedIn? Um, I'm always happy to chat with anyone. So if you're interested in change or you've got a question about change or have one of those moments that you need to <laughs> talk about your change, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, please follow Maven Change or um, reach out to me and I'm always happy to talk to people about change. I'm always happy to hear about people who love change and always happy to hear from people who have a similar reaction to Leanne. So, <laughs> old Leanne. Old Leanne, yes, let's say. Right. Previously, not old. Previous <laughs> Leanne. Leanne in a past life. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I'll put all of your details in the show notes and in, yep. in the description, all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, yeah. Samantha Barr, you absolute ray of sunshine. Thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for listening today. My name's Leanne Butterworth. That was the Empathy Podcast on Empathy and Change Management with Samantha Barr. I'll put all of her contact details below. Now, if you would like to contact me about empathy training for your leadership or your teams, you can find me at empathyfirst.com.au because as we've seen, empathy really is at the heart of successful businesses, successful leaders, and successful change. My name's Leanne Butterworth. That was the Empathy Podcast. And I'll see you next time.